0: Yes, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Lars Resort. The resort is open again. It's back. It's been closed for for, for reasons. Which I'm, I am about to explain to you. Um, because I've, but because i but for now, we are back, and I have brought my very good friend Peter Welpton from Dallas back on the pod because the season is almost upon us. We're gonna go straight back into season previews. We gotta get them out before the season starts. And and since Peter was here to skewer my awful predictions from last year. It was only fair that he was here to guide me through my my uh, hopeless attempts. At At doing better this time around i 've got to apologize for the the sound is not amazing on my end of our chat i am i 'm in the countryside i'm in a very beautiful place um, in in the english countryside uh, but it 's a place of great natural beauty and wonder, not a place of great internet connections so for for this to work at all, uh, Peter had to host it so his voice is crystal clear. And mine is not, uh, but I have played around it a bit in the edit, and I think it is—it's—it's it's re- it's in a decent shape now. I hope you guys feel the same. Um, incredibly difficult season to predict, I feel. And actually, editing our chat—it's already a couple of things I have sort of slight second thoughts about, you know. But I—you know what—I've recorded it. I've committed to it. Uh, these are my Premier League predictions for the season. I think they're a little bit less boring than last season. I think mine last, they were a little bit dull. Anyway, we'll see. Fingers crossed that I've uh, I've done better than last season as well because they, they weren't great. We'll see. Okay, guys, let's go. Well, hello and welcome back to the podcast to my very, very good friend, uh, Peter Welton. You've been on before. The listeners know you. It turns out the listeners like you. The feedback was very good. From the last time we had you on, I'm very grateful that you could take the time to come back to the resort.
1: Well, Lars, that's delightful to hear. And you know that I will always have a conversation with you, especially if it's about, uh, so- I'm sorry, football.
0: <laughs> you're allowed to say soccer. Okay, You're, you're an American <laughs> and an American who we like. It's, it's okay. All right. That kind of stuff we're all right with. Um, you may wonder why i am speaking in slightly hushed tones compared to normally sometimes i'm a little bit more out there
1: are you in a library can i guess where you are first are you in a library lars
0: i feel like i'm in some ways in the library of the countryside um i'm I'm outside a pub that's not a shocking Um,
1: revelation
0: well, yeah, because as is almost tradition now with The Lars Resort, the episode kind of has to start with an apology and an explanation <laughs> as to why it's been a while since the last episode of The Lars Resort. I know why. The summer hasn't been exactly as planned. The summer has been fascinating. I, uh, the, the big announcement you may have heard by now, I have written a book. And uh, it turns out, yeah, it turns out writing a book is uh, is kind of hard. It's It's a significant amount of work. And um, so my ambition of being able to do this throughout the summer and throughout the spring, really as well, simultaneously to all my usual work—that that turned out to be quite foolish. Uh, so I've, I've I've tried to juggle writing a book with doing all my usual stuff. I've mostly failed. Uh, but now the book is uh, written. Well, we're sort of in the in the editing phase. So now it's all all systems go with the Lars Resort. But the book is named Holland, uh, the incredible story behind the world's greatest striker and there are very few things that can convince me to do quite as much work as writing the book entails and uh, being able to tell the story of aling Holland onto the world is is probably the only one i can think of right now so i'm very excited that i got to do that i'm very excited about people reading it and uh, i am also excited that it's a little bit the most heavy work is behind me so i can get back to the resort my, and friend, my regular duties
1: my good friend if writing a book was easy much like podcasting, everybody would mm, do it.
0: Podcasting is easier. Let me just say that yes, right now. Yes, that's
1: what I'm saying. <laughs> like, everybody's got a podcast these days because it's oh, easy see, oh, to do.
0: This is how frazzled my brain is. I completely missed what was a very, very good joke. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but, but, but hence the hushed tones, not so much the book itself, but because to, to reach my target... I decided to kind of take the dog and up sticks and rent a cottage in the countryside to have some peace and quiet. And You went full Unabomber away. is what you did, Lars. <laughs> I can't. That's very dark. But yeah, well, I mean, not entirely dissimilar. And my current abode, I mean, the Wi-Fi is a very similar quality to the broadband that the Unabomber had in his shack. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of just about faster than smoke signals but it's on some days the smoke signals have it you know it's close so i've had to, to to record this to get you on the line from the great beyond uh the sea I've headed down to the pub, which is closed because it's Monday because it's the countryside, so the pub isn't open every day. So the pub is closed, but there are benches, and I can get really good sort of 4G on the on the phone wait out a second! Here. Wait a
1: second. You are just sitting outside a closed pub mm. recording the Lars Resort in some yes. uh, wilderness spot in central...
0: England in, in the forest of Dean yeah it's lovely up here wow uh, so, so it's yeah it's right towards the border to, to Wales but I am a little bit worried that the pub landlord who I've gotten to know quite well will hear, hear me or hear something instead sort of come down to what on earth is this <laughs> even when I'm closed you turn up Lars what is wrong with you um th- there might be interruptions a drinking in that problem. regard not <laughs> drinking problem. Listen, I've been in the cottage on my own for a huge chunk of the summer. I needed some company. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, I've had a very good time here and writing the book. It's all been a fun, fun adventure. And I was really horrified the first time I sort of saw on Twitter. That I was like 10 days until the start of the season. I'm like, what? When did that yeah. happen? We
1: We uh, we went to do the uh, our radio show last week. And because we're all tied up in... Messi mania here in the dallas area mm. and the women's world cup drama with the women's team it totally crashed on andy and i my co-host that the totally. premier league starts next week and we were like having to scramble um uh, because this was our last show prior to the start of the uh to the league and we hadn't even put two seconds thoughts into it, so
0: yeah. No, I, mean, I have to ask you. You you went to see the, the, the Magic Man yeah, yesterday, did. did you not? You yeah. were there. How how was that? Watching Lionel Messi, the best player of all time, I think we can say, in um, your home stadium. Yeah, it was. It was the most
1: surreal uh, uh, evening I've had in a very long time. I've been a fan of this club since literally the day it was. Uh, and it started, which is now almost thirty years. I was there when it won its first trophy. I was there when it lost in the league final. Uh, but last there was nothing like what I saw last night with twenty just at twenty thousand people in our home stadium with the best player ever, uh, literally reaching into our collective chess and ripping our collective hearts out and showing it to us when he hit yet another stunning world-class free kick to tie it at 4-4 and then they proceeded to beat us on penalties in this yeah. weirdo little side tournament that uh mls has paused their league season for for a month um in uh in a collaboration with the mexican league um and so it's called the leagues cup and it's all silly and nobody really cares about it other than Messi, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. seeing Messi play against my town my hometown club uh that I am a uh, a big day one fan of was just I don't I, I don't know. It was weird. Uh, my favorite story out of it Lars is last night there was a teenager uh sitting in front of me with his dad and they're both mm-hmm. fans of they're both Dallas fans. They're regular attendees of uh of games and I think I think the teenager actually plays for the club at some level. And mm. he was just watching him go through all the emotions of the game last night, all the messy emotions, as I call it. It dawned on me that uh, that was an evening that kid will grow up and remember and talk about for the rest of his life. Mm. And I thought that was really rad.
0: Totally. And I mean, we we make jokes over here about, like, MLS not having history and stuff. But, you know, you've, you've been watching them since they were the Dallas Burn yeah. uh, many, many years ago. And you've seen some strange things on that journey, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Boy, So I, I. I do... Yes, I I, I owe this to you that you got to see uh, the best player of all time, still good, you know, not in this prime, but can definitely still do the things uh, that you got to see that. That's really cool.
1: Here's the the thing. Not only did I get to see Messi last night, I got to see Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba because both of those guys have also joined this same team in Miami. And on any given day, either of those guys joining an MLS club would be a massive story. But not only have they both joined them, ML- they both joined the same team and it's all gotten buried because Messi's also joined. And so it's just the weirdest thing. And the whole thing has just been very surreal, as I
0: said. Yeah, I have seen the first goal, which was very much them three playing the hits, really. I mean, that was, was <laughs> you kind know, of like when, when, when the Rolling Stones are still doing shows, you know, they're a bit old,
1: but they're still doing the things. I'm very delighted because I think this is the fourth game that Busquets has played in They've I mean, all three are, not all, this is the first game Alba has started, but this is, I think the fourth or fifth game Busquets and Messi has played in. And I was very proud that my club and our holding midfielder, which also happens to be an Argentine was the first one to get stuck in and foul Busquets at mm. midfield and not let him turn and just pass the ball as he wishes. Um, and so that was pretty delightful to see. I actually was one of the few people that got up and cheered when he did it. Uh, <laughs> it was a very weird moment. Why would you be cheering your guy fouling Busquets? Because somebody's got to foul Busquets. You can't just let him pass the ball when he wants to, as the other four teams have. So goodness I mean, gracious! Bad,
0: bad that it took several games for someone to find that out. But there we go. Here we go. Yeah. Sorry. Listen, um, I, I feel like no, no, no. I digress. I'm the one who brought us onto this, but I've. It's just I haven't spoken to you for a little bit, so we could do a whole pod on this. But my ambition is to have a chat. Uh, which is kind of the mirror image of the nice chat we had at the end of last season, where that we sort fine. of skewered my, skewered my awful predictions. Now you get to be here when I make those awful <laughs> predictions, so that is uh, that is quite a thing. And because I've had my head I've had my head in a book all summer, not for the first time in my life, but it's the first time I've actually written it rather than uh, been reading them. I'm less clued up than usual. I'm sure there's even transfers I've completely missed. And, and I've not read any other preview stuff. So I'm coming into this with like a clean brain uh, for better or, or worse. Almost certainly worse. But uh, the, the, these will be, un, uh, you know, takes that are un, um, untampered with, un, untouched by, I don't know, knowledge and, and, and insight from other people. Well, you are
1: I don't know how
0: uh, you're going to do this, Lars. This feels
1: very seat-of-the-pants, which is fun and, and a lot. Yeah, of, I like that. Because That's my how we read, do it at the resort. My read on this season is that if we thought last year was going to be difficult to predict, and, and based on how all of our predictions ended up, it was, this one seems nigh impossible.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, and... Listen, long-time listeners will know, the Norwegian crew from the OG pod will know that my predictions are often a little bit boring because I do tend to just kind of look at where people finished last year, what was the xG goal difference last year, what are their wage bill, Nerd. what's the betting what are the betting markets say, and you Nerd. take those numbers and stick them into a blender and you get, you know, roughly the most probable outcome of the next season more or less. That is kind of boring. So me being me, I have done that this year as well. But I'm going to add some subjectivity and make a few calls that are not necessarily rational. One All in particular, right. I dig it. Okay, so, so the, I'm going to make the 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 single most irrational prediction I've ever made, which is, which is maybe I'm hyping it up too much, but whoa. we'll get to it. But we can start. I think it's over to you. We, uh, we and we'll get there.
1: We in the radio business call that a tease, Lars. Congratulations mm. that was a that was a top notch professional tease. Uh, All right, so let's start, and I'm going to guess that what we're going to do is let Lars predict who are the three clubs to get relegated in this upcoming Mm. 23-24 season.
0: Yes, and here I've decided to break with tradition, because historically I've kind of taken the coward's way out and just kind of predicted the the teams that just came up, because they're often kind of bad compared to everyone else, and some of them tend to go back down again. So if you just almost blindly pick the three of them, then you're going to get some right. (laughs) <laughs> but, first of all, that's kind of boring and not fun and i've come I've come around to something that I'm sure will have been obvious to a lot of people is that the relegation battle often isn't rational. Like it, the, the three worst teams hardly ever go down if you look at the pay uh, on paper. You know, Leicester went down for God's sake. They weren't one of the three worst teams in the league on paper. There's always some weird stuff down that end of the table. So I've given some more thought to it this time and I'm sort of prepared to be a little bit more risky. Not that risky. I'm still me. Uh, and And maybe the least surprising one is in 20th place where I have stuck uh, poor old Sheffield United, and I'm probably not the only person to do that. And I am conscious of the fact that Sheffield United have kind of become the forgotten club out of the three that's come up. Because everyone's kind of excited about Luton because they're so small, and it's such an incredible story. And people who watch the championship and pay attention are kind of excited about Burnley because of what happened last season, and we'll get to that soon enough. And Sheffield United are just kind of, yeah, and they're also there. (laughs) <laughs> so it's possible that I haven't spent enough time thinking about them and maybe I'm underestimating them because of it, but I just don't see what this team is bringing with them that'll give them an edge in this division. They've even lost a top scorer from last season that I did catch in uh, Diaille, who's off to Marseille. And I, as far as I can see it, they haven't really replaced him yet. It's like, is this only McBurney scoring the goals? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Are they still? So, so are, this,
1: are they still doing the overlapping centre back bit?
0: Oh, again, disgracefully, I don't know because I, I don't watch either. the championship every okay. week. But so they are bringing, they're bringing a core of players that were there last time they were up and when they had one very good season. So there is some sort of bit of experience and solidity there, and I'm sure they won't like get blown away. They'll be solid enough. I just think. Like when you look at this squad, what are you worried about if you're an opponent? Like what if you're if you're the analyst guy for one of the other mid table teams in the Premier League and you sort of look at Sheffield United and like, what is the thing you're worried about? So I, I just don't think they'll have enough. And I can't make the irrational case for it either. So I've kind of stuck them down the bottom. Perhaps through ignorance. But but that's what I've done. Well, the overlapping centre back bit was a great bit. All right. So uh, who who are the other two relegation candidates on Lars's list? Well, so you know what, all the way down in nineteenth, and this is a slightly wild prediction, but I think it, it's going to happen at some point if they keep up. I've stuck Wolves on in nineteenth place. What is?
1: It? You did this last season. You were convinced. Well, and-
0: yeah, and and this is the caveat, because with Wolves, because this, they have this strange link with Uncle George, Super Agent Gimendez, they can suddenly pull some very strange signings out of the hat, and you go, what? He's going there? So that could happen and completely change everything. But right now, I'm super worried about Wolves. Okay. You hate Wolves. That's what I've learned here in this particular well, episode of The Large on. Resort. Okay, I feel like I need to expand then, because, okay. <laughs> no.
1: You don't need to expand. I'm just giving. Okay,
0: you... <laughs> so in the last in the last two seasons, they finished tenth and thirteenth. I've done some research here. Tenth and thirteenth, but in both of those seasons, they were the fir- fourth worst team in the league in terms of expected goals. Their xG goal difference was poor, like proper relegation form. I think last season they were they had the same xG goal difference as Southampton last season, right? And they still finished thirteenth. But that suggests to me that this is a team that needs to really shape up before they're the, the circling the drain a little bit, and they need to get it together before that those poor performances actually catch up with them. And they haven't gotten it together. They've lost Ruben Neves, they've lost Juan Moutinho, they, they've lost Nathan Collins. You know, Crowley wasn't playing a lot, but he was a tool, I guess, and he's gone. Jimenez wasn't himself, but he's gone. So it's just, there's not a lot, and not a lot has come in. The manager is grumpy, uh, as it seems to be. So, so I just think this could be... You know, instead of just being boring and picking the three worst teams on paper, I'm gonna allow for the fact that we often see in the Premier League one team that really should do better and really has better players that just everything goes wrong and they kind of collapse. I think that could be Wolves this season. All right, I I did. I must admit, as
1: uh, while I am just funning with you, I did. I think this morning see a tweet from one of the English newspapers. This idea that they may fire Lopetegui and hire Gary O'Neill. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, because yeah. I've seen that Lopetegui, he did a thing with Guillaume Balaguer talking about how he was upset and the team wasn't good and stuff. Yeah. But, and and there are and, but there are good players here. Like, if they've got, like, Paulo Sarabia's there and Daniel Podence and Matheus Cunha and, like, the very tall man, Sasha Kaladzic, is coming back. He's the, the very tall guy who they bought and then he got injured straight away. He, oh, he's that's coming right. back in. Yeah. They're going to okay. have a guy who's, like, six foot seven up front. So that's the thing to look out for. But I just think this is a club that's been. Bad for two seasons, and they've been worse than the league table and the results suggest. And instead of getting better, they've gotten worse. Managers grumpy. As things stand, I think this could be the year they go. Now, of course, Uncle George might ride to the rescue, and before the transfer deadline, suddenly some Portuguese people turn up who are quite good. But there's also talk of like FFP constraints, which would make that kind of rescue operation even more difficult. So, so I, as it stands right now, I think Wolves could be like a surprise contender for for the drop. Not even All that right. surprising.
1: You've got Wolves and Blades uh, going down. Who is mm. the? Who are the third, and probably the one most disappointed? They end up in eighteenth.
0: Yeah. So this is the first in what will be an ongoing series of predictions that I hope I'm wrong about. Uh, because that's something I should make clear to Wait, listeners. Wolves, and,
1: wolves, you're not hoping? You're yeah, get rid of him. I
0: watched I watched so, I watched so many boring wolves games <laughs> over the last two seasons that frankly, like, I'm sorry if you're a wolves fan, like, nothing against you or your club, but I'm bored with these guys now. And, but but listen, the, the last one is, like, I, I'm sorry, and I desperately hope I'm wrong oh, no. about this. Oh no! But I, I I'm sending Bournemouth down. His, oh his, his, no. I am, because, yeah, sorry to the Las Vegas uh, ice hockey guy uh, whose name I keep forgetting. Bill Foley. uh, Yeah, we made made jokes about this last time. I probably shouldn't go back there. But, um, yeah, um, listen, Andoni Iraola. Iraola. Andoni Iraola. Iraola. So, yeah, am I going to edit that? No, let's stay in. I'm bad at pronouncing things. Uh, Andoni Iraola. I try, at least. He's done really well in Spain. Everyone's excited about him. Sid Lowe's very excited about him great results with Rayo Vallecano on just no budget at all. Uh, He speaks like when you read interviews with him, he sounds like a super interesting guy. He's all about attack. He had this sort of great quote about uh, uh, as a coach, he prefers too much chaos over too much organization, which is exactly the attitude I want uh, from sort of football teams. I don't, you know, where I'd have no skin in the game. And they have, since the takeover, I kind of like the players they brought in. They're quite youthful, you know, enthusiastic. I'm a lot more excited to see this team than I was at this point last year. Just worry a little bit. Like Mr. Iraola, he is taking a team that was one of the worst in the league last season. They were dead last in the league on XG. I was very impressed about how they kind of took those thumpings on the chin and kept, kept you know, battling and, and scrabbled the points together. That was really good stuff. But you are taking one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the league and you're trying to turn them into like an exciting, pressing, slightly chaotic fun machine. And I just think there's so many pitfalls in that. And, and what I really want is for Bournemouth to be that, to be a fun team to watch with like young, exciting players. But it's just the haggard old cynic in me that thinks there's too much that can go wrong here.
1: Yeah, well, let me just tell you, Lars, and I don't know if you and I have had this conversation. I would uh, I if I if I was about to make my predictions, Bournemouth would not be one of the mm-hmm. relegation candidates because I've seen what Bill Foley has done as an owner of a sports team here in the United States related to his ownership of the NHL team. In Vegas, and how quickly he turned that into a Stanley Cup winning side. Mm. And I will hearken back to his prediction when he bought the team that he would keep them from the drop, and he did. Mm. And uh, if there's a guy that will go out of his way to do whatever it takes to keep his team up, it is that guy. And Mm. And with uh, Ariola at the helm, for however long it lasts, it is going to be an entertaining, scorched-to-earth kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. So
0: that's my I, insight I
1: as an American owner uh, in, in here. So there you go. No,
0: thanks for that. No, And I do agree with all of that. I just think... Uh... I just think it's difficult to do that, and I hope I'm wrong. And, uh, and, part, and of course, partially why I'm sending them down is that I needed three teams to finish bottom here. Nice. And I've decided controversially that it's not going to be the obvious one because I'm sure I haven't read all the other previews. Okay. I would bet a lot of them have Luton Town dead last. Because all the sort of logic of, like, where they finished last year, they only got into the playoffs, you know, the smallest team ever to get out, just no wage bills. Tiny wage bill, yeah. tiny. Yeah, tiny stadium. They're, they're, they are the, the most underdoggiest underdogs I think we've ever had in the Premier League i'm going to do the thing that i don't usually do with these predictions normally i would just well that squad's not very good and they have no money so they're probably going to straight go straight back down again i am in in what i can only describe as a breathtaking show of personal growth i am going to (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to acknowledge that there is an irrationality about the relegation battle and if leicester going down hasn't taught us that then we just haven't been paying attention So I believe that someone who shouldn't stay up in inverted commas could stay up. And that brings me to Luton because I think all these things that we say, now they're too small, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that works to their advantage because I think it means they go into the season with the sort of resilience of low expectations. Like they are a group who, who know... They might go in months without winning a game, but they're not going to freak out and, and lose faith and, uh, and and panic over that. They're going to keep working. They're a team that's used to to batting, sort of to, to, to performing above where they, they supposedly should be. They're a team who are used, even in the championship, they will have regularly come up against teams that have more, quote unquote, talent on the field. They know what their strengths are and they play to those strengths. And I think they could make it really awkward for a lot of opponents in this division. On paper, there's really no rational case you can make for them not being one of the three worst teams in the league. But we've seen this before. The relegation battle isn't always played on paper. So Luton in
1: seventeenth is probably your biggest surprise of your yeah, predictions it is so far. This is this
0: is probably the one I tease like having. There's another one that you might do a sharp intake of breath of. but I I, I want to be. I, I did a secondary tease there. You see, but. Uh, uh, this is the one where it's like people reading it might think I've gone slightly crazy really? because I'm usually okay. very yeah because I'm usually very rational about these things and there's see. no real rational reason to think they should do it. I just think this is a team that's been punching above their weight for so long, like there's no they defied expectation and logic and reason to get to the Premier League they might do it again. And if you're trying to See, compare the thing, you thought anyone... you were going to say
1: something like Palace was going to qualify for Champions League or Aston Villa was going to come in second or something like that. Well, and I said
0: Luton... rogue, not insane.
1: Okay, uh, fair. I I Luton ending up not getting relegated isn't the yeah, biggest. Yeah, I think that's me, big. Sir. Come on, isn't it? It's big, what? but it's not it's well, I, it's not that big as you're now the thing you're... You extremely teased,
0: Lars. That was a uh, that, yeah. Hmm. I, 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 yeah. I spend so f- much time in my comfort zone with these Let's... things that just stepping out a little bit is... Yeah. But, uh, I, I, but, okay, I, I think having Luton as not to go back down again is a wild, wild prediction, really. And my reference point would be, if you look at the other teams that were surprisingly promoted with, with very, very small budget, nobody thought they could do it. The two most obvious examples are Huddersfield and Sheffield United in recent times, and both of those stayed up for one season. So I just think Luton can can surprise people, even though there's no real reason to think that if you just look on the names on paper, but I I think they're a bit more than that, in a sense. Well, I'm going to suggest to those listening to this pod
1: that you may now have some insight into what it might have been like to date or be romantically involved with Lars, because this is the kind of tease you could have expected. I'm
0: saying saying, well, like I'm saying uh, we might have something special for dinner, and then it's, like, fried chicken or something. TV dinner. <laughs> I'm going to
1: take you to a fine evening out, Listen, and
0: you end up at a fast food restaurant. Or something I like will that. have you know that in my relationship, I'm the one who wants to make a nice dinner and, like, make it romantic in the kitchen or something, whereas Polly's the one who, like, wants to eat lying down on the sofa watching TV because she's very tired. Being a nurse, she is actually very tired from work, whereas I've just been hanging around all day writing things. <laughs> so I' uh, full of energy in the evening so anyway all um, right back to the list we are at number sixteen Lars who do you have in sixteenth place is I put Burnley season? in I've put Burnley in sixteenth place yeah I think okay. again I think they can make it and that's also a bit of a leap of faith because there are some you know there are some negatives here but I just we we mentioned it earlier. It was such a miracle what happened last season with Burnley, because it's one of those things that there's no logic to this working. You know, they went down with this team that had been playing very daichi-daichi ball for so long, and, and and they got relegated, and you have a squad full of, like, they're all Ashley Barnes in my mind, uh, and, uh, and, and, and ins- instead of, like, getting someone who does a bit of stuff like that and, and try to, like, continue on in the same style... With a different personality. He got Vincent Company, who's like really inspired by Pep Guardiola and wants to play like, yeah, uh, and all this sort of stuff uh, to an extent, please. And, and, and it just seemed like such a mad idea to turn Burnley into like a really possession heavy team. I was like, what? And he didn't have much of a budget to work with either because their finances weren't amazing when they went down. And it really shouldn't have worked. I mean, that should have been a total disaster. I'm sure I made jokes about him being gone by October. But, but they just won the championship by a mile. They got 101 points. They lost three games all year. Well, maybe that's totally what they were. crazy. Maybe that's what they really were all along, Lars, and it was
1: Deich that was holding them back.
0: I wouldn't say that, but I just think it's an, a remarkable, remarkable coaching achievement. By it Vince is. The I agree. I I understand why he was linked with bigger jobs this summer. I like the fact that he decided to stay and do at least one year in the Premier League. I mean, he probably he probably has his eye on the city job for when Guardiola eventually moves on. Do you not think? I mean, he's a he's a bit of a legend there already.
1: I, I think that's the biggest problem for that Burnley faces is how long is it before Vincent Kompany is stolen from them? And then what do they do then?
0: Yeah, no, no, uh, that that is a, that that would be a concern. The other concern is, I wonder if they could have what I have delightfully dubbed, I think I have, I haven't seen the name of which is the Norwich problem, which is when you have a team that plays like really positive and attacking football in the championship, and then they go up and they just can't quite get results that way in the Premier League, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of nice things. They're just a little bit too easy to play against maybe that's something that can be a concern but then instead of having the Norwich problem they might also perform the Brentford pivot which is like cuz Brentford were quite possession-y when they were in the championship and then they come up and Thomas Frank realized well we can't we probably can't do that here and they became a lot more direct hitting it early for for Tony quite a lot and the sort of things so they adapted to the situation i don't know but I, but i i like i'm suitably impressed with Vincent Company and the incredible job he did last season that I think he can he can uh, keep them up for the season yeah
1: we'll we'll get a good insight cuz they opened the season friday against man city and i mm. i hearken back to awful. i was it was awful, it, uh, awful w- place to start. was it league cup or fa cup when yeah, they played yeah, each yeah, other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, suddenly city just kind of trucked them pretty hard and it was like oh well that's a little disappointing um it'll be interesting <sighs> to see how much he uh, adjusts now that they're both in the Premier League. so.
0: Well, for me, I see that as almost like a freebie. That's like, well, you're not going to get any points there, aren't you? So you might just go out and just kind of see what happens. <laughs> All right. So who now
1: is in 15th or where? Yeah, 15th.
0: Uh, well, in 15th, I have put Nottingham Forest. I think the Tricky Trees, uh, <laughs> which is a great nickname. Um, I-, I think they can do it. They up again. You know, they survived that very, very chaotic season in the championship uh and 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 now in the championship what am i saying after being promoted uh they got the they, they survived uh, uh yeah, that i probably might have to edit we'll see oh, you're uh, they, fine. Su- they, they survived their first season in the premier league uh and uh and, and they had all this so many new players in which they had to do because they came up with a very depleted squad then they had a lot of injuries so they had to buy in even more people in january and it was all a mess and, and and but throughout throughout it all, Steve Cooper was like he managed the chaos, and I think he's kind of ended up with a squad that makes a little bit more sense now. I really like their front three. Uh, we've spoken about it before. We we both think Taiwo Iwunyi is quite underrated, and that he's a nice player. And um sort of Morgan Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson play, playing off him, I think that's kind of cool. They have a lot of like hardworking uh, central midfielders. Couple of them anyway, like a solid engine room there. They've got about 105 fullbacks. I mean, I'm sure Steve Cooper will figure out what to do with them all. But but it should just be a little bit more settled. And I think again, in the sense that I'm looking at Sheffield United, and I'm not sure, not not sure what the opponents are worried about. With Forrest, they do have players that I think opponents worry about, who who can who can punish you, you know. So yeah. as long as the owner like doesn't go insane and and start sacking loads of people because they've lost a few games, which I think can happen. If he kind of can be, you know, keep stay in control of his impulses, uh, I, I think Forrest should be should be safe. Is my feeling. My my reaction to your first five predictions is
1: you could throw those five in a cup and spill them out, and any random order is uh, just as likely to happen. But those are probably the five from fifteenth to twentieth in my
0: head. I, I completely agree with both of those sentences, really. And I, I have, listen, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed that you pooed my Luton shout. I that was a, <laughs> is, is a, Because they're like the smallest thing ever. I'm not going to let that go. Okay. I'm not going to let that go.
1: All right, sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelers. Uh, but, all right.
0: but, but in suggesting that these five are definitely the bottom five, the question I would put to you turning the tables on, are you being a little bit kind on the team I have in 14th, which is Everton?
1: uh possibly yes I, mean, I but i'm like you Lars as i mentioned at the beginning of this i haven't spent too much time uh prepping for the new season so i'm not 100% uh up to speed on where everton is at but i i guess in my heart of hearts i'm just h- hoping and trusting that they've righted the ship with dice just enough and he's got some time to kind of get things in a very dicey way uh, yeah. and and they'll be better off this season that'll keep them at least 14th
0: yeah no that's that's pretty much where i landed on it as well i just think yes yeah. as, as, as they say in jurassic park dice finds a way and it's uh it's almost what they said in jurassic park and, yeah and it's I would just, st- if you it, yeah if you look at the last the games he was in charge of he picked up 21 points in 18 games Over a 38-game season, that means 44 points, and that is enough to stay up pretty much every season. And last season, they would have put them 12th. Just real quick, I'm sorry. If I had to do anything different from what you've done, if I had
1: to transplant Everton with somebody in that bottom five, it would be Bournemouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, I, I understand that. I'm... I feel, I feel a bit dirty. you haven't sent Bournemouth down because I do share your enthusiasm. <laughs> it's sweet just, cherries. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind little but, you know, in, in, inside inside me, Peter, as you know, I have an ideal an inner idealist and an inner cynic and they're like punching each other constantly. <laughs> and, and, and and I guess when it came to came came to Bournemouth, the the cynic landed a big blow when I was thinking about Bournemouth. There's so, therapy so, uh, for uh, that, Lars. You do know <laughs> that, right? Possibly, possibly. Well with Everton, basically because the finances are so bad, they haven't really been able to fix a lot of the things that were wrong last season. Yeah, uh, so, so a lot of those things are still wrong. But the good news is they managed to end up take a pretty respectable number of points under Daesh with those things being wrong. So I, I, if I was an Everton fan, I'd be worried about where the club is in the big picture. But I would look at Daesh and the effect he had on the team and tightening them up and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and feel at least confident that they're not going to go down and then there's all the other stuff to worry about in the in the medium term is kind of where I'm at with Everton. All right, who got
1: lucky 13th place in Lars's prediction?
0: Yeah, so so I'm going to put some of these out in writing on the the bets on website. And I'm doing them in three segments, one sort of relegation battle segment, one mid-table battle segment and one sort of the top ones and and maybe controversially, this is the last team that I've put in the relegation segment because I think this team is also not 100% safe. And this might annoy some of their fans if they're listening. But I have this sort of weird feeling about Fulham. So I have put them in 13th in the predictions, which is not bad for Fulham. But I am including them in the sort of could-be-in-trouble segment of the table, which is slightly irrational. It, it It is a little bit to do with the fact that Mitrovic could still leave and he is very, very important to them, and I don't see how they replace him uh, very well. And there is something about the Fulham of yesterday, last year, very, very impressive, much higher in the table than certainly I thought. I mean, I had them to go down, but I don't fully trust it for some reason. I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, maybe you have better ideas than me there.
1: No, I think uh, with the, the, the off-season deal where uh, their manager was tried to get a poached from a from a Saudi Arabian club and the Mitrovic situation and didn't isn't Willen gone too? No, know the, the, he there was
0: he has decided to stay so oh, far he did. there was okay. some interest yeah. Okay.
1: So uh all of those things uh I you know uh, I I you wouldn't I don't think you're going to end up being the only one at least a little bit with an eye of uh, suspicion on on Fulham's plate this season.
0: There's something about the, like, the second season syndrome that we do get sometimes from promoted teams who do much better than expected and then the next season yeah. it kind of falls And I can't quite articulate which is bad because it's kind of what I try to do for a living but I am struggling to articulate why it is. I just have like the spidey-, the spidey sense is tingling a bit about Fulham. So like hypothetically if Mitrovic leaves and you have a couple of awkward injuries at the wrong time then then suddenly that, that could go bad. But I have put them for 13th like, so I don't think they're like in dire trouble but but I've- I've- I'll-, I'll include them in my brain in the sort of list of teams that things go wrong they could quickly go very wrong All right, who is uh, getting the Crystal Palace trophy 12th place this
1: season I'm very tempted to just give it to Crystal Palace (laughs) (laughs) I
0: thought thought for sure you're going to go duh Peter Palace (laughs) no but so the next two that I ended up with in my brain are basically interchangeable I can't really split them but I have actually in twelfth put Brentford, and, and the main reason okay. for that would be it is because they have this sort of long period without Ivan Tony, which I think hurts them. So I think that just kind of takes them down a little bit. But I think you know another season in mid table would be a fine outcome for Brentford, you know, who are uh, famously one of the best clubs uh, run clubs around. Still on a tiny budget. They haven't really like upgraded their squad that much after they got promoted. They mostly kind of kept faith with the core that got them there, just adding little things here and there. And um it was enough for a comfortable finish last season. I think it'll be enough for a comfortable finish again. I've just kind of knocked them down to twelve. Because I think half a season without Ivan Tony is gonna have to affect them somehow. But they're in this funny spot because I was looking at the prices for various outcomes at at Betson. And and the price you get on them finishing in the top six is exactly the same as the price you get on them being relegated. Whoa! Okay. Yeah. So you That's have crazy. so bets so bets on have them exactly in between finishing top six and being relegated, like in the middle of the table. I think the absence of of Tony is affecting that a little bit. The the markets are the best the the bookmakers are expecting a bit of a regression there i think i was talking to some friends who suggested to
1: me what we were talking about selhurst park and my experience of going there and how much i love it and uh they said well you know the reason why Crystal Palace has never replaced Selhurst Park. It's because the ownership is deathly afraid that the club will get relegated and they'll get mm. stuck on the hook for the cost of the stadium, which immediately made me think of Everton. Yeah. They're in the middle of building this amazing place right on the water and just how vital it is that they, that they didn't and continue not to get relegated because of the, the ramifications of what it would mean with this stadium in the middle of its uh, uh, construction if they were.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good segue into Crystal Palace. So I put eleventh. But like I think in my brain, Brentford and Palace are kinda indistinguishable as sort of teams that are shouldn't be in any kind of relegation trouble. But I don't see them being upwardly mobile either because of various circumstances. So I've stuck them in there. Uh, do you, Palace think, do you, in, do you hmm? think
1: do you think Roy finishes the season at Palace? Does he make the yeah. full season?
0: So so that's an interesting one, isn't it? The fact that it, they're back with Roy who is 75 now and just sort of, I said, you know, this is my last job as I said before. And, and it was a good story the way he kind of came in and reignited them and, and got the best out of uh, Eze and Ulise, who I'm slightly obsessed with, as you know. Um, and obviously I'm sure if, Palace are very grateful to him. But you do—they must le, still wish they knew how to quit this guy. Like they were able to able to move on to something else. There is Roy the boy yet again to to try to fix things for them. But um, I think they'll be fine. Like you'll you'll get some of that old Roy Hodgson, old school defensive organization, and be, in front of it you'll have Ez and Olise kind of running wild. They looked like they were really kind of making a step up towards the end of the last season. You have lost Will Saha, yeah, that's a blow, but with them to you know, improving, I think you can absorb absorb that loss, mm-hmm. and uh, so, so I think a completely sort of uneventful and dull uh, season in the middle of the table is uh, is in store for Palace, which well, I'm guessing the owners would take every day of the week. That it sounds very Palace. Yeah.
1: It does. All right, 11th. So now we have uh, completed
0: the top half of the table. Congratulations, mm. Lars. Yeah. Uh, Sli- sliding into the top half—it's—it's it's about to get complicated, I all suspect. Right. All right, that was the bottom half. Top ten to come uh, tomorrow, I reckon. Uh, I think that's when I'll put it out. Um, can't really let this go about Luton. I thought that was a real swing uh, by me predicting them to stay up. That was—I mean, was looking at you know, there's so, you know, there's so many limitations on paper. They're so small. I, I thought I was being properly sort of out there by predicting them to stay up. I don't think a lot of other people will do that. I haven't checked any other season predictions yet, uh, but Peter was just not having it. He was not impressed. Anyway, I definitely share his view that it's super tight down there, and uh, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be pretty tight in the spots uh, in the other end of the table as well. At least when it comes to the question of the Champions League spots. So you'll get all of that and more in the next episode. Uh, See you then.